Hi, and welcome back to Now and Next. In this episode, our guest is Chris Weidewilt, founder of Akoi, a strategy lab that's helping artists create deeper connections with fans. In our conversation, we talked about the challenges that artists face when trying to grow their careers. We explored the emotional connection between fans and artists and how NFTs can play a vital role at strengthening and nurturing that connection. We also explored why Web3? Why should we even care about NFTs when you can simply right-click and save? So join us on this journey into the world of music, tech, and people. Chris, welcome. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining. How are you? Thank you very much. No, thank you so much for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it, Evan. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm super glad. I, I, I found your profile on, on LinkedIn. I was looking for um, different guests and things like that mm -hmm. and uh, came across your profile. And I was like, wow, this, this guy's doing some really interesting things in the music industry. Like music NFTs are not a space that people know a lot about. It's not what we hear a lot about. Some people are saying it's not useful. Maybe it is. Um, it's, it's a curiosity of mine. And one of my good friends is, is in the music industry uh, as an artist. So I was like, oh, let me, let me, let me talk to this guy, see, see what his perspectives are in this space and, you know, satisfy my curiosities. And then I'm sure other artists uh, as well would be curious to hear what you think. So that is why I, I asked you on the show and I'm thrilled to have you on. Please, let's, let's start with some intros. Like who is Chris and uh, what do you care about in the world? Right. So I, I hail from, from a small town in central Germany. Um, music has always been really part of my life. Um, my mom played the piano, my dad took the guitar. I started playing uh, guitar when my brother started the drums. My mom, my grandma was an opera singer. So I, I had a great childhood, which was filled with a lot of music. And if you, uh, look into the, uh, the family archives, uh, you're going to see me, uh, dancing to Michael Jackson on old camera. <laughs> singing through Phil Collins songs. And, uh, I was always recording music on cassette tape with my brother for my parents. I performed in front of them, you know, so music has always been around and this has really shaped me into the person that I am today. Really believe which, music, you know? Yeah. Which is, which instrument would you say is the one you're the most, like you enter like a flow and you don't really yeah. think about where your, where your movements or your fingers are or whatever, like which instrument is, does that for you? So I think the, the one that has been most intuitive to me is in terms of songwriting guitar, but I actually started out playing bass. And when oh. I started out playing bass, um, you know, you've, uh, you're, you're actually accompanying the other instruments. So, you know, the guitar player is coming up with a melody and, uh, you're trying to find the, the rhythm, what the, the drums are doing, um, and being on point. So, um, I started out, I liked it, but I wanted to take it to sort of like, um, there was so much in me that I wanted to creatively get out. So I switched to the guitar. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So how long have you been playing the guitar? Uh, probably about 20 years now. Um, okay. There's been ups, ups and downs, uh, you know, um, high times where I was practicing a lot. Um, I was fortunate enough to play in different bands and performing as a songwriter when growing up. Um, but I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later uh, when we get into the part why I actually uh, started my uh strategy lab yeah <clears throat> excuse me i i'm asking all these uh, uh questions about music and, and your your interest and your passion for it because mm -hmm. you um went from being i guess an artist well you still are an artist i'm sure you still play but now really mm -hmm. into the tech world or like the advisory world um 
And that transition must have been maybe scary, maybe uh, a, a risk of some kind or new. So can you share why did you decide to make that jump? How did it feel for you? And what do you, um, what do you think about the tech world and emerging tech today and what it can do for artists? Mm-hmm. So I, um, uh, actually the last 10 years I was, uh, I've been working as a digital product strategist and, uh, I believe you're in a very similar field. You're also working with, uh, disruptive technologies. Yeah. So, um, I've always been very curious. I started out. So when I, um, when I moved to London, uh, 10 years ago to pursue a career in music, I, I also wanted to go into the professional side of things. I started, um, working as, a, as an artist manager, I was. Uh, booking different gigs and festivals. Um, I was in a studio for different artists and there was, um, there was, there were some recurring topics that came up that really made me question the entire, uh, artist development process as it is laid out at the moment and the sort of struggles that are coming into play when you want to build up your career. So this, this recurring theme that, that came up is I, I don't have enough revenue to front load, which is coming in. Um, because when, when you're on Spotify, uh, when you're doing gigs, et cetera, sometimes, uh, it takes a little bit of time for the money to roll in and it can get tough. Uh, you know, when you have, um, you know, the bills that you need to pay, you've got your rent, et cetera. So it was really about, um, you know, how can I find ways uh, for artists, um, to unleash their power so they can uh, concentrate on and like holding their skills and unlock their potential because the reality now is that one in 42 artists that are getting, they're getting signed to a label, but 99% of them are actually never releasing an album. And that's, that's because a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's always the next artist in line sort of that is waiting to be discovered and developed. So other artists that are, um, on board on a label, they're getting pushed back. And I, I really wanted to say, well, I hear you. I hear your story. I want to together with you tell your unique story because it's worth sharing with that with the world. And deriving from my interest in technology through my uh, digital product strategy work, uh, I said, well, this is, this is good for me. I can, I can use both my skills, both as a musician, um, you know, understanding the, the craft of musicianship and, uh, also bring in sort of like the business side and, uh, the technology side to unlock, um, a music artist true prof- uh, potential basically. So that's. That's why I started uh, ACOI, which is a Web3 strategy lab, um, empowering music artists and um, music professionals to use NFTs to build up fan communities and uh, front load revenue streams. That's awesome. I, I want to I explore that problem a little bit. You said 99% of artists that are signed uh, to a label don't mm-hmm. publish an album. From your experience, do you think that that is... I, uh, let me, I'm trying to find the right way of saying this because it's not about assigning blame. It's not about saying one person's lazy right. or the industry or like, oh, it's the other person's fault. But why do you think that is? Like, is it, is there something an artist can do or that artists in general can do to get their album out there? Is the system designed in a way that maybe prefers that 1% of people who make it? Why does that problem even exist? I think it's, it's really a lot of factors that are feeding into that narrative of what does it take you to get your story out at the end of the day? Uh, you know, the internal affairs of running a record label with different departments and, uh, different tastemakers that are looking at the, the current trends that are, you know, unfolding before our eyes. I mean, 
if you look at TikTok and Spotify, et cetera, there's always new trends emerging. So it's, and through technology, it's been becoming so dynamic uh, that the, the landscape of music and what is trendy and what works and what doesn't is ever changing. So in terms of that, um, let's say like an artist signs to a label and starts working on the record. And like six months later, I don't know, they, they find another artist, which is of the caliber of like Justin Bieber. And they're, they're, they're shifting these budgets to the other artists where they think they can get ahead and make a hit record because that artist is, uh, um, sort of developed in a way already where they, uh, it's polished and, you know, they, they got a good, um, marketing strategy and a good personal brand so they can push it out. And this other artist has to take a back seat. So it's, it's really, um, it's really a mix of different things. Um, and like you said, there's at the end of the day, there's no one to blame. Um, because it's sometimes just, um, it, it comes down, sometimes it comes down to luck, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if you're breaking through or not, uh, you can be an amazing artist. Um, but there, there might be something else that is taking place that will hinder you from, you know, um, unleashing this potential and waiting around sort of. <laughs> waiting around. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like there's a, it sounds like it's not just about talent or skill in like in, in your craft uh, as a musician or an artist. It's, it's about understanding the landscape from a business mm -hmm. perspective, understanding what your audience might want. Um, in addition to also having to be a really skilled artist is, right. is that, that group of people, those artists who are trying to figure all of that out, is that why you started a Koi? Am I saying that right? How do I pronounce the yeah, that's Name. right. Akoi, okay. Yeah. Akoi, awesome. Is mm -hmm. that, you're doing this for them, right? Like to help them. Right. I mean, um, I see myself sort of as um, providing educational tools and tools that can help them uh, unleash their potential and the story that, because sometimes it's, um, an artist might be in a tunnel just like a developer might be, you know, when, when it, when uh, him or her like are uh, like working on a website and polishing everything and about to push the code, etc. So it's the same with these art uh, with artists. Uh, we're all in the rabbit hole sometimes, and we're trying trying to work on our craft and on a great song uh, that you get so consumed in it that you forget about the the business side. And there's already uh, there's still a lot of misconceptions when it comes to using NFT technology. And I, I I honestly believe. I think the, the point where we stop talking about, uh, the technology and we actually focus more on the value proposition, that's when it's going to become a more, um, more like a focus also in the general public that, um, NFTs are bought. Did it's, it's in the same way that you go to a, a record store and buy a vinyl that you just, uh, digital collect in, instead of only physically collecting. So yeah, it's, it's really my mission to, um, to get them into the world and try to see how that technology can support them in building a fan community and meaningful relationship because I'm, I really believe in the 1000 true fan story, uh, theory that, um, it's a compound effect after all, every relationship that you make and every connection that you make is meaningful because, um, if you have one fan and that person really likes your music that can spread very, very fast. They tell their friends about it and their family. And next time you come to town, there might be the entire family that is coming to your concert. So, um, it's, it's really about, um, 
you know, looking at the micro level and trying to unleash your potential, not just like looking at the vanity metrics sort of, of reach and impressions and, you know, click throughs, et cetera, but it's the relationships underneath the, the KPIs, the, you know, the, the performance metrics that are making a difference. And that's, that's what I want to help them achieve. So let's get into it. What is a koi? Um, and let's, let's, let's pretend I'm an artist. I'm an, you know, I'm skilled in my craft. I'm, I'm really not, but let's just pretend. And I discover your company. How, how do we work together? How does that whole process work? Right. So, uh, the, the first thing is I, uh, I jump on calls with artists and I, I can't, it's, it's like just going uh, for coffee, right? You're meeting at a coffee house and you're just trying to get to know the person because, um, everyone, uh, and every artist is different and is approaching things different in, in their craft and how they want to convey a message. So I really need to get a feel of how that artist ticks and how they like to be approached in the same way that, you know, when you're working with different companies and you're doing consulting work, uh, you know, you need to get a sort of a sense of, you know, a developing a chemistry. So the yeah. first, uh, the first call really is about, um, deliver, um, establishing that chemistry and trying to build a foundation for a great work relationship. I, I, I definitely get them into the process of uh, explaining, well, I can do this for you. Where, where are you? Like how crafted are you in use? Have you used NFTs before the technology? What, um, what have you done in the past in so in terms of touring and, uh, different records, et cetera. And then, um, if we've established that, then I'm, I'm trying to tailor a plan that is fitting to the artist. There's of course tools that I'm, uh, that I'm using because I'm only one person, so it's, it's not a scalable business in that perspective, but I'm trying to be as hands-on as possible to, um, you know, tailor something, which is according to their needs. So you, let's talk about that, the, the fan engagement piece and how you, um, you're essentially helping artists embrace, uh, and learn about web three and, and how to make it work for them. What are the tools or the aspects that you about web three that you are helping artists with is it just um the artwork piece is it the mint piece is it everything um what happens after a fan uh buys the nft like who manages that community yeah great question um so i have i have a three-step progress a process that i uh that i have and lay out for artists the first one is education. So I take them on a tour of understanding the technology and what it can do for them. I sort of run them through different use cases that artists have used in the past and how they've, um, you know, sort of delivered utilities, benefits to their fans. Um, I'm taking them through marketing, uh, fundamentals. I do an audit for them looking at their social media profiles, uh, the lyrics, what are they trying to convey in their messages, uh, how the music is sounding, how crafted it is, etc. So I, I don't provide like, um, services on songwriting, but, um, I'm, I'm always trying to go as deep as possible, uh, because that will help me in, and that's the second step. So after the education step, the second step is the prototyping sort of, and that's when um, if we've got a, um, this is where we're working out the personal brand for them, the artist brand to maximize impact in the market. So we take a look at, uh, 
what is the purpose? Why, why do you want to build up a fan community? Why do you want to uh, provide utilities uh, through, by, uh, through selling an NFT? Um, what, what should your asset look like? Um, what's your target audience? So there's, there's different personas, right? That you need to sort of see how you uh, do your messaging. And then these different personas, uh, you have to identify where they are. So the different channels that, that there are, uh, is that a social media platform or is a, a large um, bunch of your fans? Are you connecting with them at, at concerts? So then this really dictates how the strategy is laid out and also executed. And there's different aspects and benefits of NFTs that I see for, uh, for artists. Uh, it's, it's creative flexibility. So you're not tied to an intermediary like Spotify, which is sort of like a gatekeeper. Uh, and it's hard to get uh, your information out with NFTs. It's, it's sort of unlocking this layer of finding out more about your fans. So after the second part, the step two, which is the prototyping, I help them release, like you said, help them release the NFTs. We, we pick up the marketplace. Um, we pick up tools. Do you need a discord to build up profian community, or is it more like a telegram chat that you start with? Um, then what is really important is post drop care, because you do want to build a momentum towards the launch of your NFT, but just as important is, and that's with every product that you're launching, right? If it's a brand, if it's a company, if it's, uh, if it's a movie that is released or an artist that is dropping an album, you always want to make sure that, that there's care afterwards, a care package sort of that you don't lose the momentum. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I try to, um, I try to give them tips, um, on community building, different market strategies that they can, uh, implement, um, and how to drive engagement in the community. That, that makes a lot of sense because. I, I know speaking just for myself, I am mm -hmm. a huge fan of the weekend, the, the artist, right. <laughs> and, um, like his early, early days. And when I love how, when, when an individual, a fan is like an early fan, when like the artist was playing in small venues or, or releasing stuff and no one knew about them. I think it's just a human thing of like, you just want to flex or you're proud. I'm like, yeah, that person, I discovered them early like i'm an early adopter and i i placed a bet and it worked out um i just remember like when this nft stuff was was when i was learning about it and and especially in when i was learning about nft tickets um as a, as a use case mm -hmm. i remember thinking like i wish i wish nfts existed because i have now if if nfts existed back then when the weekend was early uh, in its earlier days I could have the biggest flex right now. I, you know, people talk about board apes as their profile pictures. Uh -uh. I'm putting my the weekend NFT on my on my Twitter right on. profile picture, my Facebook, LinkedIn, all of that. The whole world will know that I was I was an early fan. Um, you know, I, I joke a little bit, but at the same time, my my wow. my fan, my appreciation for his skills and the artist that he's become is 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 massive. And he's Canadian, so also he's another. Great. Uh, yeah, a great artist and, and Canadian. So double, double the fun there. Um, so, so with the reason why I feel that music NFTs, whether, whether it's the actual sound, the actual audio or uh, a ticket or, or something that that artist um, releases for their fans, 
I feel that there's such a strong emotional connection. And we're, we're at a point where there's a gap. There's like, I think fans who enjoy music or, and discovering artists understand that emotion. Or I think anyone who enjoys music understands that emotion. But there's, we're, we're missing that piece in between before it starts to get adopted by everyone, before we all, uh, by, by get adopted, I mean, by, before that technology gets adopted, before everyone can um, purchase or engage or interact with the NFT of their favorite artists. What do you think is missing or how do we close that gap before we can get all artists or a larger amount of artists to adopt this technology, use it and give these NFTs um, to their fans because people like me want them. And I'm not the only one. I'm sure there are a ton of other people who discover early artists and they're like, I wish I had something to say that I discovered them early when it's five, 10 years later. Um, how do we get there? Yeah. So I want to roll back a little bit because I want to emphasize on what, what you said also about um, these uh, collectibles becoming uh, sort of like memorabilia. It's in the same way that if you had a ticket to the first the weekend concert, this is a in, this could be an important piece of music history. So what if you had a music NFT from that artist and you can uh, you can really confirm on the blockchain that you've been an early adopter and you will definitely be rewarded for that. So I think the missing piece that we have uh, right now is um, there's like I said a lot of misconceptions in the market. May that be environmental uh, concerns. Uh, due to energy inefficiency, et cetera. And there's crypto, which uh, some perceive as fraudulent. Um, there's a lot of regulation that is missing that is sort of like easing um, some, putting some security in and like, uh, you know, easing some risk that people mm -hmm. have. Um, but I believe, I, I truly believe it's a compound effect. So it's, it's, it will be an effect of different factors that are coming into play. May that be, you know, Amazon, launching their marketplace which is coming up this month so they have a they have a huge um, user base that they can cater to and cross promote from different products they've got musical products they've got um they've got their music unlimited service they, they've got prime music etc so there's there's already that that sphere there that they can cater to and you need to make it very easy to buy and that's one of the things the, the current uh the current process of getting some money from your bank account to a central exchange and then uh, sending that money to a decentralized uh, wallet. And then you need to connect to a website where you need to um, pay in Ethereum and you need to pay some gas fees. And then you've got this, you've got this NFT in your wallet. It's a very compli uh, complex and complicated process. So there's a lot of onboarding uh, available uh, needed to make that happen. And we need to strip that up completely in the way, because we cannot, in the same way that some people will always, um, let's say like prefer to just listen to music on Spotify, uh, we need to give, we need to give them the easy access to collecting digitally. And this will probably not be driven by crypto payments, but it will be driven like, um, how you buy a fashion item on an e-commerce store. You just pay with your credit card and PayPal. There's, uh, there's a premier uh, music NFT marketplace called Sound.xyz. And over the last few months, um, they've, um, 
the volume that uh, is on that marketplace has been gone down, but the, the important thing that has been happening is there's more collectors coming in, there's more artists, uh, there's more uh, wallets that are created, and they have an easy onboarding. So they've got uh, an email sign-in, so you don't need a wallet. You can pay with your credit card. Uh, if you want to, you can take that NFT and take it decentralized, but you don't have to. And um, I, I don't believe it's going to be just one artist making a huge drop. I don't know, maybe something like Monumental happens with Taylor Swift, you know, uh, in the same way that she crashed the Ticketmaster web. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, I think it's really, it's really going to be driven by the compound effect and a mix of different things coming together before we change the perception of the general public. Do you work with artists in Germany or do you work with artists all over the world? Um, where is your client base usually? It's very, it's very mixed. So um, two months ago, I did a drop with an artist. He's a lo-fi art, a lo-fi, lo lo-fi artist. Lo-fi, yeah. Uh, artist, yeah. lo-fi, right? Or both, both. Uh, I mean, so, you can say both, who cares? Right, yeah. <laughs> So a great artist, his name is Wilczynski. He did, uh, so we did a drop together, um, and he's from Germany. Um, there's other artists that I work with. There's, there's a songwriter from, from New York that I'm in contact with. There's other artists from California. There's one in, uh, I think she's from the Philippines. So it's all over the world. There's curiosities everywhere. So, and. I, I really love working with people from different cultural backgrounds. It's just so exciting, you know, to see like how they approach life in general and how they think about technology. And I don't know, it's just, it's just really cool. I love them. It I is, it is <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's, you know, part of what I studied was international business and how culture impacts right. business. So, um, you know, I, I, I deeply right. can relate to that and it's interesting how the, there are a few unifying things as humans that we all do, even if we're all in different countries, different parts of the world, different ideas, different, you know, 99% of almost of what we do is different. But there are a few things that no matter what remain the same. And music is one of them. Like throughout the history of our species, mm. right? Music and just making sounds to come together has been a thing that no matter where you're from in the world, our species has done. Um, so there's really a deep relationship between us as humans and sound and the combination of sounds in order to create a desired effect is, mm -hmm. is, um, is beautiful. And now that we have this technology, we're able to really deepen the relationship between the creator of that sound, also known as the artist in this case, and the person experiencing that sound. So what do, do you think that there are, um, when it comes to like regulation, do you think mm -hmm. that that is something that can hurt artists and your business, or do you think that that's something that will help? And what are your thoughts on just regulation in the industry overall? I think, well, this is a very broad, uh, broad and deep topic. Um, I think we definitely need a regulation to, um, to ease some of the risks, um, to, you know, to prevent things happening like the FTX meltdown or things get people getting scammed where their, their wallet is drained and all their NFTs are lost and there's no insurance that they have to claim, well, I own this, someone stole it for me. You cannot, right now, you cannot go to the police and say, well, this, this guy <laughs> stole my NFT. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 
it, it'll be very important that there's frameworks and regulation and compliances that are put in place to protect people from, um, you know, finding their way around with this new technology. At the same time, it has to be innovation friendly. So I, I wholeheartedly believe we need uh, a shift in that perspective, but I also believe anything that will hinder us from, uh, you know, creating uh, new, and that's what it's all about uh, in NFT technology or like Web3 in general, like you're, you try, you're trying to make things better because that's what generally people care about when they, uh, when they use a product. They, they don't care about the technology, but they care about the effect and the value proposition they have about the product. So I hope in that perspective, we can uh, preserve the value proposition fully uh, while we still have um, an environment or we can establish an environment that is safer for everyone. That's my yeah. wish. Yeah, that's, I, I agree with that. We, we need more innovation-friendly in uh, innovation friendly regulation. I think that's, it's not just regulation for the sake of it. Um, you know, emails were, you know, there was a bunch of scams in the early days of email with like the okay. prince of this country needs your help. And in return, you get a couple million dollars and, you know, I still get these uh, emails. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they still exist. Um, and so it's, it's, it sucks, right? FTX, I was burned. Luna, Terra Luna, I was burned. Um, but I still believe in, in, in the, yeah. Okay. Well, you too then. <laughs> so, so, or, or yeah. So, so, you know, people like you and I and, and other builders and enthusiasts, um, still believe in this space despite the scams and, and some right. of the, uh, unfortunate things that have happened. And I think that that's really powerful. And I hope that that conviction sends a message to the rest of the world and says like, Hey, this, there's something here worth exploring. Yes. It sucks that these, you know, the X millions or billions of dollars were lost because of, of scammers. But if the people who lost money are still around and still trying to create something that's going to benefit the world, then you should probably pay a little bit more attention. So my next question, which might, might be a bit tough or controversial, but, um, why web three, like why should anyone even care about nfts just send me an image um and just say evan you are the owner of this image and it's in my email i can put it in my google drive uh and that's it over mm -hmm. why are we coming up there's, with other solutions right there's this out so outside of the music industry there's a, a few um use cases that i'm generally excited about uh, there's, there's one particular one, which is putting your digital identity on the blockchain. Um, if you're looking at, um, refugees from Syria or Afghanistan, uh, coming to Germany or other countries, sometimes they, uh, they, they have no means of, um, you know, presenting, um, a like, like an identification. Mm -hmm. If you're coming to a new country, who are you? Uh, can you prove that you are the person hold are you, where are you from? They. Either they don't have their documents because they have had to uh, leave and not pack it in. So they cannot find that identification. How about what would be if we had a soulbound token, which is it's non-transferable. You cannot transfer that NFT from one wallet to the next. It's your identity and you're owning it. How about um, you just come to country and you say, uh, well, you can find me on the blockchain. This is who I am. This is my name. This is, this is my picture. And then there would be a way 
an, a much easier way for these people to get integrated into the social system. That's one of the things that are very powerful in the same way with artists. I think we can change it's web three doesn't mean that there's not a lot of hard work involved in building an artist career, but it can give more artistic freedom to the artist and it can give creative flexibility. There's no gatekeepers, no intermediaries. You still need a team, of course, to build your career. You cannot do everything on your own, but it gives you that gateway to connect more directly with your fans and learn from them both ways. You can learn from the fan and the artist and the fan can learn from the artist. And I think it's that uh, connection that we've really not been having so far. There's crowdfunding, of course, that you can use. But crowdfunding normally uh, is really tied to the, well, I need this amount of money to pay for my recording, for my mixing and my mastering and my marketing efforts. And I'll give you a t-shirt for that. So that's a, that's a transaction. You give me money, I give you the t-shirt. And then that's basically it. And bye-bye, see you later. But there's a current system, I, right? Right. So yeah. I feel like, NFTs go a little bit deeper. What you said with um, this emotional connection, it's in the same way. Uh, you've got something in your wallet that connects you to the journey of that artist. And what we've been seeing with how brands are using them, they're going from the storytelling aspect of in traditional advertising, you're telling a story, right? That the viewer is consuming. But with NFT technology, I believe, and digital assets, we're going from the storytelling to the story living aspect that you're actually creating the story together with the brand or the artist, the creator. And I think that's a very powerful instrument. You said story living. What's, what's that? What's the difference between storytelling and story living? So I, that's, that's my perception. So for me, if you're telling a story, this story is crafted by you and you only right? Because you're making sense of the stimulants around you. What would you like to, um, how would you like to craft your message and how would you like to con, uh, come over, um, you know, come across to your fan, but with story living, the fan is part of the process of maybe there's an, an initial story, but that story can be adapted over time. And the fan, if they, for instance, have an NFT, they can. There's a good example. Um, there's an artist, a virtual artist called Chili, uh, and uh, he's using a board ape. Um, I know there's there's a lot of different things that we hear about board apes, but uh, for this one, so if you would have bought one of their band passes or access passes, that would, I think, just the band pass in that perspective, in that um, example, but it gives you access to actually writing music for him. So like writing. Uh, collaborating with that artist, collaborating on, the, I don't know, a guitar, like um, a melody or just providing drums or some lyrics, etc. So uh, you're, you're not just consuming the message, but you're actually engaging, interacting with the message and you can adapt the message. And this is where this deeper emotional connection can come from. So there's an element of co-creation that is being unlocked thanks to token gating access to the artist, right? Like if you put up, if, if, a, if, if a, a fan needs to buy an NFT in order to gain access to the artist and be able to potentially collaborate with this artist, um, A, it's, it's generating 
it's generating a deeper emotional connection. And B, mm -hmm. it's also bringing the fan into the story of the artist, into their creation process, all the way to publication and, and release, right? Um, mm -hmm. In the case of, so what's, what's exciting, I think, and feel free to you know, disagree or share your perspective, please. Uh, what's exciting sometimes about artists is there's, it's like there's a mystique around them. W they could be the biggest artist, like Taylor Swift, Justin right. Bieber, The Weeknd, whatever. But their creative process, their ability to take different words, put them together or sounds, and then release it in a way that makes me and others feel something. That feels like, it feels like it's like a skill. And it's like, wow, this is incredible. Um, mm. When you bring in the fans or the the someone else into the mix and you're co-creating with your favorite artist, for example, do you think that that kind of takes away from the artist's mystique and the, their ability to make people feel things? Because now you're taking inputs from other people and maybe I'm just putting The weekend on a pedestal here. I, I can fully admit my bias, but there's just something mysterious and cool about the fact that like, I don't want anyone to touch like other than the team he had, I don't want fans coming in and messing it up. Like I will listen on YouTube to fan remixes and things like that. But if the weekend's uh -huh. publishing something, I want his vision. Am I right. the only one that thinks that way? I mean, maybe there's a space for maybe there's a place for both, right? Like I'm not saying that all artists are going to release a full album with with fan co-creation. But um, yeah. what are your thoughts on like are we losing? Is there potential uh, potential loss of the mystique of the artist if the artist lets in? people in their creation process? I, I believe it really comes down to, like you said, pers it's, it's sort of personal perception as well, right? How you view the, uh, the music and how you connect with that artist. And you're sort of, like you said, you're protect, you want to protect that heritage of the artist. You don't want anyone to that touch it because you want to, you want to believe, you want to believe it comes from that person and not someone, someone else that is sitting in uh, their garage, not picking <laughs> That's, that's exactly it. I could not have said it better. <laughs> right. So, but it also comes down to maybe, uh, and I, I agree with you. So it comes down to artistic, uh, essence and vision. So if that artist, um, says, well, for my artist brand, I would like to invite people to collaborate with me. Um, that's, I, I think that's great. And it can be both good and bad, of course. And we're, we're also seeing that with AI you know, rapidly, um, yeah. coming onto the scene and, um, maybe you've heard that Grimes, like she has a new platform that she released now where she's inviting everyone to collaborate with her voice and create new songs. And I think it's really, um, for her, it works, um, because she's generally very, um, interested in new technology, disruptive technology and what it can do. So, um, but it really comes down to the artist and how they want their sort of their legacy to be in the future because yes, with Grimes, um, she's going to be now connected to different, uh, creations, um, through her enabling, um, AI music to be produced with her voice. And that may be both good and bad. So it can absolutely diminish, um, the artistic essence and the vision that they have for the good or for the bad. So I think, I think there's always pros and cons in that perspective. Generally, I think, um, it's an exciting field because if I think about that, I, like you said, with, um, wow, I wish I could have had this, uh, NFT of the weekend. I don't know if that existed like 10 years ago, 
Um, in the same way, I wish I could have maybe collaborated with one of my favorite artists. I don't know, maybe that'd be like Linkin Park or Korn, you know, when I was growing up listening to these bands, I would have given a lot to, uh, just even talk to them or, you know, my, like my perspective, like my opinion being heard. So it's, it, it comes down to how you want to discover and, um, preserve the perception of that artist for yourself as well. So I think it's, everything is right. There's no right or wrong, right? And at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. So basically it's not about, we shouldn't think about, um, fan co-creation as a limiting thing by it's, it's not like black or white. It's not like either it's all good or it's all bad. It's, it can be both. And maybe that is, maybe that's like part of the artist's evolution is how do you maintain your artistic essence, as you said, while still inviting part of, you know, a, a number of those thousand true fans in the mix to really deepen that relationship even further. I think that that is a really beautiful way of, of thinking and saying it. And maybe, maybe because I'm not an artist, I cannot relate to that feeling of wanting to provide input. I just want to consume, yeah. but I could totally understand why uh, an artist would want to contribute to um, their favorite uh, their favorite artists' uh, um, music. What do you think about um, audio NFTs and the ability for uh, collectors to purchase audio NFTs and even collect a portion of uh, royalties from it? So in terms of uh, the benefits that are created by uh, using music NFTs, I mean, there's these different aspects. So what you also touched on is the royalty aspect, right? I think that that one is rapidly changing right now. And it's something that has not been around in music distribution or music reselling. The artist is when you buy an album in the record store and I don't know, 10 years later, you want to sell it on eBay. That artist is not going to benefit from that. So that's powerful. I mean, if, if there's a secondary income stream for the artist to do it a little bit more sustainable, because you don't have to release an album every six months, but you could potentially also live off of the secondary market royalties. Now there's, there's a little bit of, um, a rivalry at the moment in the industry, um, that you, you're not enforcing royalties, uh, due to, um, different marketplaces. Um, putting restrictions on that now, uh, sort of like the, the blur open sea fight that is, uh, mm -hmm. has been going on, which is hurting artists in a little bit. Um, but there's one thing that I'm generally excited about is, um, the proving the authenticity. So, um, let me give you this example. So I bought, um, completely random. I bought a soundtrack of a movie, a nineties movie called. Eric, the Viking, and it's okay. with Tim Robbins and Terry Jones from the comedian group, Monty Python was also in that movie. And, um, the, the autograph of Terry Jones, he's now deceased, um, is on that vinyl. I didn't know when I, when I bought it, I, I saw it and was like, wow, is that really Terry Jones? I mean, and I only bought like, I only paid like 20, 20 bucks for it. And I'm oh, wow. thinking, and I'm thinking. Well, this must be worth a lot more, but there's no way for me to find out like how, how the scarcity is. I, I do not have a certificate of authenticity 
And in the same way that, you know, for sports memorabilia or like music memorabilia, you can have physical um, certificates. The NFT is the digital certificate in that perspective. And the NFT and the collection gives you more information about the scarcity. Now with that Eric the Viking album, I would, unless you're really a pro in your field and you do a lot of research and you're a collectible, the king of collectibles, right? There's a new show on Netflix that is talking about yeah. that. Um, it, there's no way for you to find out how big the scarcity is. I think, I think these different factors coming into play, they help artists, um, you know, tell, tell a more exclusive story to fans and sort of persuade them, uh, into, you know, following the journey. There's only like, um, I don't know, 50 seats available. You know, there's, there's some that, that are going to pay a lot of money to, to be on there maybe in the future. But at the same time, I also believe in that everyone should have the opportunity to collect an item. And this is something that we're seeing now with these open editions. Open editions may, basically means there, there can be um, an unlimited amount of uh, music NFTs minted and everyone can be there, right? Uh, because sometimes the feeling is, well, there's this 10,000 PFP collection uh, and if I sell it, well, I'm kicked out of the community. I'm not part mm -hmm. of it anymore. And that's, mm -hmm. that's sad. I think that's sad sometimes because it, like, you feel like, well, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm selling this one, like a part of me dies, I, I cannot talk to these people anymore because I yep. don't have that NFT. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a strong, the open edition is, it definitely solves a problem for the 10 K, you know, people who there might be more than 10 K people who might want it. Um, I, I, I like that. This, this, this new ability that we have with open edition, it may, it might not work for everyone, but I love that with different types of NFTs, you can do different things because it's giving mm -hmm. artists and fans a choice. It's no longer just, you must decide this or that you have different right. options and different ways of maintaining a relationship with the brand or, or the artist or whoever, uh, if, if you could work with, uh, one, two or three artists, like who's on your, on your bucket list of artists that you'd love to work with. Wow. Okay. You're putting it out there. <laughs> if you want to, um, I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm sure you could work with a bunch, but like, who are like, you know, some people they've, they've got something interesting. They, or, or they might challenge me in the right way because their music or their style is, is interesting. So I, I think generally I'm, I'm metal guy. So like my background is in, uh, metal, all kinds of metal music. That, that's what I grew up with. That has really dictated my childhood. So I would probably say a band like System of Down, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm really connecting to their, like their heritage and their cultural background and the, the messages that they're trying to get across, um, you know, not always, uh, putting on the happy facade of everything in the world is work, working, but there's, um, you know, there's problems that we have in our society and with politics, etc. So this is something that initially really drew me to them. So I believe if, if they would do something like that, in that perspective, I would be super intrigued because there's a lot that you can tell through not only like, um, as a collectible and giving out utilities, but like drawing, um, drawing attention to different causes as well. So I think they would be pretty up my list. Yeah. Yeah. Though they're, they're definitely well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm less of a metal. Uh, fan, but I, but I know the, the band. Um, so yeah. yeah, they're, they're huge. Um, Chris, this has been 
Really awesome. We're going to have all your info in, in the show notes, of course, but, but where can people find you? And if you have any um, final words that you'd love to share with, with artists and other people who might be curious, you know, what would you like to share with them? Right. So you can, you can find me on Twitter at DeLorean Chris. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn under my name or acoy.io. Uh, this is where you can find me. You can get in contact with me. Generally, I think um, be bold, but be humble across your journey, um, open yourself up to new opportunities because I think it can be very scary approaching a new field that you don't know about. So I think you need to really, um, be out there and, um, develop a strong work ethic, go out there, do networking, go on Twitter spaces, get to know other people, uh, learn from them. So there's, there's this whole realm of opportunities that are laying in front of you. You just need to, you know, trigger that uh, mental switch sometimes to say my music and my message that I'm trying to get across, I, I wholeheartedly believe it can find a greater audience. So let me explore what I can do with disruptive technology and how far I can take it in my process. So I would love for new artists to come in and come in and explore the opportunities and yeah, really change, um, how we approach artist development, um, more equitable deals that are put out there, um, more, um, attention to mental health also when it comes to an artist that is not just about, um, you know, um, trying to squeeze out like a lemon and, um, you know, putting them on a very, very big tour of a hundred dates or so, but it's really about listening to that artist, um, try to bring them on a path, which is setting them up for success. And I think we can create a lot of great and good music in the world. That's awesome. That's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you everyone Thank for you. listening and, uh, have a great, uh, have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.